Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Isaiah, and with me, as always, is... Lexi. Hey, Lexi, what's going on? Oh, not much. What have you been up to? Long time yeah. no talk. I know, right? Well, welcome back to the show. We have, uh, we've kind of had some scheduling conflicts last week, but we made it through them, and... So, yeah, I thought the, like you referred to it as a little mini episode, I thought that turned out really great. It sounded awesome, and I love the stories you had to tell. It was really great. Yeah, um, I it. So, everybody, welcome to another episode here. Uh, today, we're going to dive into some very creepy phone calls. Lexi, have you ever received maybe a creepy phone call or a disturbing phone call, maybe even had a... A creepy or disturbing voicemail left on your phone for you? You know, I really can't say that I have. Um, or if it was, I knew who the person was, and it was just because of who they were, why it was creepy. But <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, in regards to what we're talking about today, no, I haven't actually. What about you? Um, none that I've had a couple of hilarious phone calls <laughs> uh, in my past, but. Uh, Nothing that uh, was too out of the way. Now, here a few weeks back, this has been before Christmas, I do believe. And, um, you know, we have discussed um, Mr. Alex Murdaugh here on the podcast. Um, And it was very weird because I started receiving phone calls very early in the mornings. And every time I would answer it, the first one was I let it go to voicemail because I had no idea who, what the number was. Mm-hmm. So it was very weird because I just read an article or heard about some sort of uh, scam that could be done from prison. Well, the problem oh. of it was, was that <laughs> it was actually if someone was calling me from the, <laughs> I think it's Richland County, um, is it Richland County? I want to say it's Richland County. I don't know. Long story short, they were calling me from our state prison. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And I said, what? I don't know anybody in prison. And what was weird <laughs> about it, <laughs> in the voicemail, it never it never gave a name. So it was like wanting, like me wanting to, they wanted me to accept uh, you know, responsibility for taking the phone call. And uh-huh. immediately I thought, I was like, who the hell do I know? I, <gasps> it's Alex Murdoch. He heard the no. podcast. <laughs> and he's podcast, calling to trash talk you. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know who it was, but they called several times. Uh, I actually weird. answered at one time and it went to like a recording like, hey, press one if you'd like to accept the charges. So I'm like, is this real or is this a scam or what? So I actually yeah. did some digging. I dug a little bit of information up on the on the the number and yeah somebody was really calling me now i don't know if they just dialed my number by accident and uh they just were 100 percent sure that my number which they happened to continue continuously repeatedly dial 
was in fact the number that they were intentionally trying to dial that either they had convinced themselves or either they just kept dialing the wrong number over and over again but i don't know don't know who it was don't care to know (laughs) and you know i can move on with my life but eventually you know they stopped so right well you act like you don't know anyone in prison but maybe you were their one phone call you were their only chance and you haven't responded to them and now they're going to stay in the pokey because you you didn't lift a finger to help. I had one job. You had one job. I had one job. Accept the charges, accept the call. Guess what? Don't count on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't call you to bail me out of <laughs> bail me out of jail next time I get arrested. Well, you would think that when, you know, instead of saying your name when it says please say your name at the beep and instead of doing that you'd be like help you need to come get me just lexi help i'm, I'm, I'm arrested <laughs> instead of just letting it go like eh, he'll accept the charges he'll know who it is uh no yeah i no idea so i i could have been anybody could have been well maybe, okay maybe, maybe it was a ghost i don't know maybe it was alex i don't know uh is that i don't know i believe that could have been the same place where peewee gaskins was no peewee was oh in no the, Pee-wee was in the prior building that we had, so no. But it, it was just really weird. Like I said, no one, they, they eventually stopped calling because I quit answering. So <laughs> there. <laughs> well, there. Showed you. <laughs> I was like, I would have been so mad if I did accept the charges. And some idiot on the other line was like, hey, I need to let you know about your car's extended warranty. I'm oh. like, from, <laughs> from you know, prison? That would be a pretty clever scam. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. No, it was horrible. Because I had just literally read an article about how they, how the prison systems charge on both ends for people to make a phone call to send an email. So, like, they charge the inmate uh, money to make a phone call. And then they charge on this end to for me to receive a phone call. Oh, yeah. They're double dipping for sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so the same thing goes for like email. And I'm like, I don't know anybody and I'm not about to, you know, become friends with it. I don't need a pen pal. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> you don't need a prison pen pal. No, I don't. That just might be the friend you never knew you needed. And uh, I guess I'll never know because I'm not answering that phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Reach out. Reach out. You're going to start reaching someone. out via U.S. mail now. <laughs> he doesn't answer the phone. We're, we're, we're going to send him letters. You think I open all my mail? Email? Oh, no. I don't open all my emails. Well, I don't either. <laughs> That's probably why I have 60,000 unread emails. <laughs> You're probably right. Um, So before we get to those haunted, creepy phone calls, we're going to dive back into the Southern Dictionary. And today's Southern word is brought to you by the letter S. Would you like to take a a stab at what it could be there, Lexi? I'll give you this much. No, it's a food. Here in the South, I don't I don't know if it's uh, prominent other places, but I know it is here, especially around the coastal areas of South Carolina and Georgia. Hmm. Hmm. I'm drawing a blank. Begins with an S. Okay. And uh, it's it's actually she crab soup. It's what? She crab soup. I would have never gotten that. Really? You never heard of she crab soup? I never have. 
All right, so... Fish soup just does not sound appealing to no, me. No, it's not fish soup. It's she-crab. Okay. I promise you, if you like crab legs and crab, this is really good. Well, I'm... Now, now most I'm going to tell places, you about my experiences with crab. Please go ahead. <laughs> well, most places uh, around here, they make it with a like a milk base. But I have gone to a couple of restaurants in Savannah, Georgia, that actually make it uh, what they refer to as Savannah style. And they actually, um, they make it with uh, sherry, like cooking, cooking sherry. Oh, okay. So it's and, frothy, uh, so it, I guess? Yeah, well, it gives it a little bit of a, um, like a, I think a still a cream based milk based but it's um it's got a little red tint to it and it's it that sherry really does help bring out all the flavors in there it's really great so it is described as a bisque or cream based soup garnished with thin chopped chives and livened up just before serving with a half jigger of dry sherry now the dry sherry it's not always that case i don't think it is okay um so legend says it was actually invented by Ritz, Ritz, Ritz Butler, who obviously gave a damn. <laughs> okay, so more specific, R. Goodwin Ritt, who was the mayor of Charleston, uh, South Carolina. The butler uh, was William Dees, who was also a, also a singer in a gospel quartet. And the occasion was the 1910 visit of President William Howard Taft. Taft happened to weigh more than 300 pounds. Uh, wherever Taft traveled, each community tried to outdo the last with culinary extravagance. <laughs> Stuff, stuffed flounder, stuffed trout, custom-cured hams, beefsteaks, quail by the dozens, uh, desserts with French names few could pronounce. Now, during the visit, uh, Mayor Rhett pulled Dees aside and asked him to, quote, dress up the traditional crab and rice soup served prior to the main course. Dees left out the rice, thickened the soup with a few tablespoons of flour, and added orange crab roe for color and its exquisitely delicate taste. A Charleston classic and a staple on downtown menus to this day. Really? Yep. Um, it, it's, it's very good. Uh, it, it does say this. Alas, for gourmands, it is now illegal to take sponge crabs, uh, which is females with mature egg sacs. Many chefs now substitute crumbled or grated egg yolks in place of the crab roe. So you can't even, even though it's called she-crab soup, you mm-hmm. it's now completely illegal for you to take oh. it. Okay. Yeah, you well. can't even use it in the soup. But I assure you, if that's, that's a dish you got to try. Uh, it's very good. Very good stuff, uh, quite tasty, and it's one of those, um, it's almost like a loaded baked potato soup. It kind of warms you up on, yeah, a, on s- a cold day. Really good stuff. I was going to ask, is it kind of like a clam chowder, but with crab? I'll be honest with you, I've never had clam chowder. Well, I never have either. <laughs> I just know what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, but you, yes, yes. You had looks- me at potato soup. Luke's, uh, uh, Luke's, looks and appearances, yes, they, they do resemble each other. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, but yes, I have tried a couple of different ones from various locations. And uh, for the most part, the ones I've had have been really good. And of course, good. like with anything else, uh, the more meat, crab you have in there, the better it's going to taste. So, uh, Doesn't really sound very stuff. keto friendly. Uh, <laughs> no comment. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's delicious nonetheless. Like I said, next time I'm back in the area, I'll try that. 
there's a few other things that you've told me I need to try. So yeah, I'm on the list as well. That's right. You got to get down here. You got to, that's one thing I like to do when I travel, wherever I'm going to, I try to do different things. Um, try to eat like the locals do try to, you know, not necessarily dress and look like the locals, but <laughs> you know, um, just to experience, uh, that culture, uh, even though it's, it's regional, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And it's so, different. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's something different and, uh, something that it just, you know, it just screams low country, uh, something like that does. And it's just, it's, it's outstanding. It really is. Um, yep. And if you were in the mood for oysters here at, I think it was just, uh, at the end of January, um, at Boone Hall Plantation, uh, they actually had the Low Country Oyster Festival, which happens to be one of the largest oyster festivals in the world. Um, they did usually you go? have. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I have been in the past, though. Okay. Um, yeah, they do have. Uh, they have a number of stuff, so it's not just oysters, but of course, it is one of the main attractions. They have oysters. They serve beer. They. Uh, they have, uh, there was one place I remember, but it was good the first time, but not the last time. But there's Come a on. place, uh, they have several different locations down around Charleston. Not bad mouthing anybody, but Kickin' Chicken, uh, which is the name of a chicken restaurant down there. Okay. And uh, the, their chicken was really, really good the first time I had it. Uh-huh. However, since I've been back maybe twice in the past... I don't know, 15, 20 years. <laughs> it, it, they, it's kind of <laughs> downhill. Yeah, it's kind of backslid. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those things you find a really good restaurant and then it's sad when over the years they yeah. point you. It's just not the same. It's just not. But yeah, that that's some, that's some, it used to be good. I'll put it that way. Now, maybe you'll go in there and catch it on a really good day, or maybe I'm just not going to the right locations. I don't maybe. know. But uh, I know it used to be really, really good. Um, they also had uh, they had the she crab soup. I can't remember who actually made that one. Um, but we have a I don't know if it's still there or not. But they used to have a I think it is. But downtown Charleston they had a seafood restaurant called A W Shucks. Aw shucks. <laughs> That's cute. So, uh, yeah, and um, I think that was m- maybe where I got the she crab from because they, of course, bring in a bunch of food trucks and trailers and stuff like that. And right. uh, just they're steaming those oysters and you just go up and get them by the buckets and just, man, I, yeah. But oysters are one of those things I really got to be in the mood for it. I just can't mm. eat it on the I have animal. never eaten an oyster and I don't plan on it, to tell you the well, truth. I do not plan on it ever. My Never. personal way of eat, my personal way of eating it is, uh, you know, you put it on a saltine cracker, throw some horseradish on there, a little bit of hot sauce, and down the hatch. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, my or you can go the route my father in law uh, prefers. He likes to dip them in butter, and he calls it. He says he's a man. He said pop the shell open, dip it in the butter, dip them and slip them, and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> kind of like. Lobster, whatever, just kind of a and I see I love oyster. I love lobster. I love crab. Um, what's the uh, the scallops? Not real fun, fond of scallops. I will eat them on occasion. I will eat oysters on occasion. I like I really like fried oysters, but they got to be hard fried. Sure. Um, now 
I will, like I said, if, if I, I've got to be in the mood for, you know, a raw oyster, a steamed oyster. So, yeah. but you know, they're good in their own way. They're good. I know some people way. are just crazy about them. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Yeah. I'm not psychotic about them. Or <laughs> I've never had oysters. I've never had lobster. I've never had crab. I've never had scallops. What have I been doing with my life? No comment. <laughs> like, what have I been doing? I don't know. You need to get out and try <laughs> some things. Just, I, I mean, I do. Know, uh, that's what I always try and encourage our kids, you know, no matter where we go or, you know, always try something different, you know. Yeah. I mean, you never seafood know. Seafood I mean, just, I don't know. Not it's, crazy about it seafood. Doesn't, no. um, it doesn't sound good to me most of the time. Like, I love shrimp. I'm a freak for shrimp. But anything else, it just doesn't sound appetizing or look appetizing to me. So I'm like, I'm not going to waste my money on it if I'm not going to like it. If you like shrimp, you're going to, you can eat crab. And I'm not, look, I'm not telling you uh, when it comes to crab, eat the legs. When it comes to lobster, eat the tail. I'm not right. telling you to eat the entire thing because I've tried <laughs> to eat the entire thing. The red, you know, the lobster, the entire, oh, I will yeah. not do that. The claws are good on a lobster, but I won't order a whole lobster because I'm not going to sure. eat the entire lobster. So, right. I mean, yeah, just, just get the tail. Get the tail. I tell you, one of the best places to get a lobster tail, I don't care if it's fake or not. But one of the best places to get it is at the Japanese restaurant. They'll Kidding. butterfly the lobster tail and they'll cook it right there. And they bring it with butter. It's flat out delicious. But lobster tail is one of those things you got to eat as soon as it gets to the table. You need to eat it um, while it's still hot. Yeah, you can't let it get cold. Exactly. And same cold thing goes for crab legs. Yeah. But I tell you, there's nothing better than sitting on a tailgate and like boiling your own crab legs, steaming them. I mean, you just can't be that because as soon as they come out, you just go to popping them and eating yeah. them. That's that's great. Uh, See, that just sounds so bougie to me. It's not bougie. That's well, that's, maybe around there where you can easily get <laughs> crab legs. Here, it's like oh, sitting on tailgate eating a ninety dollar crab leg. <laughs> Jesus, I don't $90. know how much they cost. I have no idea how much they cost. It's a I have a price of legs. <laughs> no kidding. Jeez. Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess you're right. You know, I know the further inland you are, you know, that it takes it costs more to get it to right you and stuff. So not as I can understand. I can understand that. I can. Uh, but yeah, if you ever get over here to the East Coast, get you some crab legs. Okay. I that's if I ever order crab legs, it will be there. Okay. There you go. All right, so let's dive on into this episode. Um, so, like I said earlier, you know, you, you guys remember the old, I think it's AT&T commercial, reach out, reach out and touch someone. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, we're about to reach out and touch someone or something. Ooh. I know. Right. All right, so first off, we have, I'm going to share a clip with you guys and just hang in there with it. I don't know if any of you have ever heard this clip before. But uh, there's a radio program. I have mentioned them on the show before. I'm not even sure if they're still playing it anymore because I don't listen to it anymore. Um, but it's called Coast to Coast AM. I used to listen to it all the time uh, when I worked late nights, when I was on the road driving a truck. I used to love to listen to it. They talk about stuff like we talk about here on the show. Conspiracy theories, mole men, um, alligators in the sewers, ghosts, paranormal, anything and everything, Bigfoot, what have you. Uh, so one of the biggest things that they had set aside was they had this dedicated telephone line, okay? And it was for anyone with specific information from Area 51. 
a whole phone line for that. <laughs> a whole phone line dedicated to that. So wow. at any time, didn't matter what was going on with the show, anyone could dial that number. And when they did, you know, they the 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 host at the time, uh, the late great Art Bell, knew exactly what was going on. And so one night he receives a phone call on that dedicated line. All right, so actually, guys, I found this on the iHeart.com website, and here we go. This is Art Bell with a frantic caller. Uh, This is actually a video. It says, on September 11th, 1997, during the Art Bell show, a frantic man claiming to have worked in Area 51 called during the, quote, Area 51 portion of the show. So... Here we go. Online, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Hi. Um, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of uh, time. Um, well, look, let's begin yeah. by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, area, area 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and... And I, I've kind of been running a, across the country, um, oh man, I don't know where to start. They're, uh, they're, they're going to, um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone, so give us something quick. Okay, um, um, okay, what, what we're thinking of as, as aliens are, they're, uh, they're, they're extra-dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with. Uh, they, they are not what they claim to be. Uh, they have infiltrated a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of aspects of, of, of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. Uh, the, the disasters that are coming, they, the, the military, I'm sorry, the, the government knows about them. And there's a lot of safe areas in this world that they could begin moving the population to now are but they're not doing they're not doing anything they are not they want the major population centers wiped out so that the, the few that are left will be more easily controllable discharge <laughs> All right, so the transmission was lost for a few moments, and it'll be back in just a second, but it's all dead air. Um, Now, what I had written, here we go. some way, something knocked us off the air, and we're on a backup system now. It's uh, government or? I don't know. It has to be something, though. Well, did you hear? Now, you tell me because you were listening. That was awful strange. There was a really weird guy on the air when it went off? Yeah. Real weird out. Like uh, going sort of sort of sounding paranoid, schizophrenic. Yeah. Like crying and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how far into the conversation was it when, when it went off? Just a couple, about 15, 20 seconds, I'd say. 
Oh, you, oh you guys missed, you, you really missed the call then, and I've got a feeling somebody didn't want you to hear it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it was really strange. All of a sudden, I'm hearing Mark Furman. When I, when That's I was right. Well, the network, the network, of course, went immediately to a backup tape while we tried to figure out what blew up here. Uh-huh. So that's what you heard happen. Uh -huh. And then we're now on a backup link system uh -huh. uh, to be on the air at all right now. So, well, I'm telling you, it's Miami. lost all transmit capability on this end here in Nevada. The transmitter went belly up suddenly for some unknown reason. I've never seen it do this in all the years, all the years that we've been on the air. I have never seen the transmitter in this way just simply fail a massively fail like a massive heart attack or some kind and so we have gone to a backup system to get si signal to you right now and i presume it is getting to you right now Total so what did you think of that wow that is the, yeah it's Sorry. creepy you go no, ahead. you're good <laughs> <laughs> no it, it's creepy it's definitely creepy um i don't know i don't i don't think that they've ever discovered who the caller was or what was actually happening uh, what were your initial thoughts on that yeah you know at first it did i was having trouble figuring out if he was crying or if he was laughing you know what i mean because he just sounded very <laughs> and i was like is he laughing is he crying is he hyperventilating what's he doing and then I started thinking, this guy sounds like he may be mentally unstable. That's the main thing that I originally took away from it. But the more I listen to it, I'm like, well, shoot, this kind of, it creeps me out a little bit. Some of the things he was saying, especially looking at it through today's lens. That was how long ago? I heard someone mention Mark Furman, so that had to be an old um well, that was that was episode. 1997. That was September 11th, 11th of 97. Um, okay. So this caller that called in uh, didn't give a name, didn't give a location. He just said he was a former employee who was discharged medically uh, from Area 51. He says that the aliens that we know as aliens, um, they not, they're not what they claim to be. Uh, he started saying that uh, the amount of destruction uh, that was coming our way is, you know, unprecedented almost. He didn't use that word, but, you know, almost on that scale. And he does mention that uh, he said that they had infiltrated uh, different areas. Uh, I don't really know what he meant by that, but different um, aspects of our life. Uh, basically it would they had been found according to this caller um, in a previous uh, space mission I guess that he didn't say which mission uh, he didn't say who was on that ship or anything like that but they had been uncovered at that point and uh, so yeah he's kind of warning us of all this destruction so on and so forth and um, it, you can hear it there. I know it's it's an old recording. I know it it's kind of hard to hear, but there is a moment in there where it kind of like sound almost cuts out, and then you hear them talking again, almost like mid sentence. The sound became distorted, almost like it had been kicked off, and then he comes back for a few more seconds, and then it's kicked off completely. They go to a backup uh, system transmitter to continue the show but i believe in doing research um 
somewhere I read that it actually took them a total of 20 minutes to get, I'm assuming, to get the original transmitter back online working correctly. Um, so with that being said, yes, it is a possibility of this being 100% fake, um, but that's why we're bringing it to you. Yeah. We want to know. What do you think? Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of crazy. I will say this. If it is fake, it's a good fake because whoever was talking on the other end of that phone, like you said, Lexi, they had a mix of emotions. And you could tell you didn't know if he was laughing. You didn't know if he was crying, what he was doing. But I think it was just a little bit of everything. Um, so, I mean, like I said, it, he was just like a mixed bag of emotions just trying to get this this message out. Uh, but like he even said, you know, that they were going to triangulate uh, this phone call. And once they did, you know, I guess they kicked him off the air. Now, the second person you hear or the third person you hear on the last half of that phone call when the, you know, when the sound comes back in, that was a, that was a random caller that was, I guess, waiting on another line. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, in that video, they actually mention him as a random caller. So that's who Art Bell was talking to at the end of that. So he was just a random caller who happened to be yeah. stuck on the line. And he he mentioned, he said he started hearing Mark Furman. So I'm assuming that he didn't get to hear that phone call either. Oh, okay. Well, I was thinking that that was maybe someone else on the show or a production person. I didn't realize it was another caller. That's interesting. Yeah, he was another caller that was kind of waiting his turn, I guess. So On yeah, that, the Area that, 51 line or just on the I think it was show, on the other. I I, yeah, I think it was just okay. the the other just the regular um telephone you know the other hotline i guess um the request line but (laughs) but anyway the guy brings up he was let go on a medical discharge yes okay let's just say that this is true this is legit well was it a psychological medical discharge like was he having some issues they let him go you know he's not in his right mind um or you know is it all a hoax yeah, exactly. You know, it's um, kind of, it gave me the creeps a little bit, and this is unsolicited, no one asked, but <laughs> <laughs> aliens, I think the government wants us to think they're little green men. I, I agree with that. that. I agree with that. Um, let's put it this way. Um, another portion that I read uh, concerning that phone call was the fact that they did apparently come out at one point, uh, now that you said it, you, you spoke the key word, hoax. Um, or as I've also heard it down south, a, ho- a hoax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they uh, they did uh, mention that it was a complete hoax. But it also asked the question: What if it's a hoax of a hoax? So, in other words, what if that is the hoax that them coming out and saying that, oh, it was just a hoax, is the hoax? Yeah, like who that put them up to saying real. it was a hoax? Yeah, yeah, like the call is real, but we don't want to scare anybody, so yeah. it's a hoax. So they're saying it's a hoax, you know, a hoax orchestrated by the show, or a hoax caller, like a scam caller? Um, that I don't know. Yeah, they didn't really go into a whole lot of detail with that, but I will say this much: that that phone call. 
Let me see here because, I, well, I still, yeah, I still have it here. Let me pull it up because, uh, let's see. So here's the thing. According to iHeart.com, it says on September 11th, 1997, Art Bell took a call from a, quote, frantic man, as he's often described on the Internet. The frantic man claimed to be an ex-Area 51 employee. As the call wore on, the frantic man kept becoming more and more upset. Suddenly, the show temporarily went off the air because of a satellite failure. This caused Art Bell's audience to lose their minds. After all, <laughs> why would the satellite go out if this wasn't a real person with real information about Area 51? So apparently... Convenient. Okay, so here we go. It says the same gentleman allegedly, allegedly called back again on April 28th of 1998, admitting that the original call was fraudulent. However, the second caller's voice, tone, and mannerisms have called into question whether this was the same person. Many believe this was a cover-up from the government as the original call was cut off. Um, yeah, so a lot of people are saying that the second guy that called in in 1998 was not the original caller. And that'd be so easy to do, too. I mean, oh, absolutely. Verify that. Yeah. Um, so here is another one um, that I thought was pretty interesting. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the band Tool. But they actually used audio from the phone call in their song. I'm going to screw this up because I don't know how to pronounce this. It looks like made up words and I apologize if it's a real language, but it says Fap de Olad. De Oadad. Fap de Odad. Yeah, that's about the best you're getting out of me. Um, so, but anyway, very cool stuff nonetheless. Very cool. And I've heard that clip. Uh, I don't remember if I found it online or if it was mm -hmm. on a show or whatever, but I've always been kind of fascinated with it. And I'd throw it back and forth in my head if it was a total hoax, possibly orchestrated by the show, possibly just a crank caller, or if there's something to it. Uh, or maybe, you know, mental illness of the caller. That's very well possible, too. Or if, like I said, there is something to it. I don't know. So you're saying he failed his mental evalu evaluation? Yeah. Okay. Possible. Possible, yeah. Any, I mean, and that's the thing. It, I mean, it, anything's possible, but they, it's creepy nonetheless. You know, Very talking creepy. just about phone calls and based on the phone call, just in general, it's creepy nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to get into another story about another phone call, but this one involves a missing persons case. So, according to uh, Vizaka, V-I-Z-A-C-A dot com, 19-year-old uh, Brandon Swanson finished his first year at Minnesota West Community and Technical College on May 13th, 2008. Later that same evening, he and his friends celebrated at home in the nearby town of Canby. According to eyewitness statements, there were drinks at the party and Swanson had at least one shot of whiskey. However, Swanson's friend said he, quote, did not appear to be intoxicated, end quote, when he left the party just after midnight on May 14th. So Swanson reportedly intended to drive from Canby to where the party, from where the party was to reach his parents' home 
in Marshall. Now, the drive should have only taken him about 30 minutes. Now, at around 1.15 a.m., Swanson's car uh, became stuck in a ditch. It was severely stuck in a ditch, and it doesn't go into detail of how it became stuck. But he tried to call his friends for help. However, no one would accept his phone calls. So then at 1.54 a.m., Swanson decided he was going to call his parents. He called his parents and informed them of his predicament. However, he was not completely sure of his location. So during the call, Swanson convinced his parents he was not injured and would wait with his car. But when Brian and Annette Swanson, his parents, reached their son's mentioned location, they could not see him or his car. So Brian Swanson, he's at this party. He has at least one drink that his friends say that he had. Uh, but he, when he left the party, it didn't appear that he was intoxicated. So he leaves and he decides he's going to make this 30-minute trip from the town he's in, where the party's at, which is Canby, and he's going to drive to his parents' place over in Marshall. So as he's driving, somehow, way, shape, or form, his car becomes severely stuck in the ditch. He can't get out. So at around a quarter after one that morning, he decides he's going to call his friends. So he calls his friends. Nobody's answering. So a little before 2 a.m., he finally calls his parents. He calls his parents and he tells them, say, hey, look, I was on my way home from this party and my car got stuck in a ditch. I can't get it out. Um, can you guys come get me? So they ask, of course, as any parents, where are you? So he's not exactly 100%, 100% sure what his location is. So what he does is he gives the best directions he possibly can to where he thinks he might be. So then his parents go to the location that Brandon described. The problem is, is when they get there, there's no Brandon, there's no car, and there's no, they don't see any signs of anything really where they're at. So then, according to Medium.com, changing tactics, they had Brandon start flashing his headlights. Now, through the phone, they could hear the clicking noise made as he turned his lights off and on. They peered out into the darkness, hoping to see a glow in the distance, but they still couldn't see a thing. It didn't make any sense to them as they were surrounded by wide open fields. There was no reason why their view of Brandon's car would be obstructed. If he was on that road, they should have been able to see him. Brian and Anita Swanson remained on the phone with Brandon the entire time they were searching for him, and he was starting to get a little aggravated. He was sure he had accurately described his locations uh, to uh, his location to his parents, and he couldn't understand why they were unable to follow. They insisted that they were exactly where Brandon had told him to go, but Brandon was certain that they were the ones who were confused. Finally, his frustration reached a boiling point, and he hung up on his mother, which is a big no-no to begin with, considering your current predicament and you getting upset because you gave bad directions. Yeah, so she called him right back, and she apologized. Given the situation, his frustration, it was all understandable. Now... Brandon Swanson said he could see flashes in the distance, which he thought were coming from the town of Lind, which is another town nearby. He told his parents he would walk the rest of the way and he would join them at a Lind tavern or bar uh, there in the parking lot. Now, Brandon's father, Brian, said he was on the call with his son while he was walking. Uh, now, 
Now, who was walking Brandon? So uh, dad's on the phone with Brandon. Brandon's walking to this nearby town of Lynn where he claims he could see lights. So Swanson intended, he took a bit of a shortcut through some areas instead of waiting on the main road. Now, during the call, he informed his father he passed some fences and gravel roads. He could also overhear water flowing in the distance. Now, Brian said he and his son were on the call about 47 minutes before Brandon shouted, Oh, shit, and abruptly dropped the call. Brian said, quote, there was nothing after that, end quote. Now, Brian thinks his son may have slid and fallen. Brian and Annette tried to call their son back many times. However, their calls were never answered. By the following day, the rings were going straight to voicemail. Brandon's parents continued driving around looking for their son, but they did not see any signs of him or his vehicle. At 6.30 a.m., they requested authorities to register a missing persons report. However, sources said to wait, as it is common for men of his age to avoid communicating with their parents. Now, officials started their search for Swanson quickly before noon that day. At around 12.30 p.m., his Chevrolet Lumina was located in a ditch on the borders of Lincoln and Yellow Medicine. Lincoln County Sheriff Jack Vizecki stated that the vehicle was placed so that Swanson could not get any traction to come out of the ditch. There was also no apparent damage to the car and no indications that Swanson was hurt in the occurrence. In the months following his disappearance, law enforcement personnel and volunteers searched the area on foot, on horseback, and using ATVs. They also used search dogs, scoured various bodies of water. No evidence of Brandon Swanson was ever found. Now, the search dogs headed their handlers to the edge of Yellow Medicine River, which made authorities think that Swanson likely slipped into the water. Wow. That's creepy. That's creepy. And that's one that I've heard. We talked about it a little bit before. That's one that I'd you know, kind of heard before, and I've been a little interested in it before and done some research on it. Um, it could go a lot of different directions. So many things could have happened there. And one thing that kind of, it's hard to hear, like at first thought you think, well, why did the parents wait so long to make a report? But then when they finally made a report, they were kind of discounted anyway. Um, you know, they were told they should have waited longer. Um, you know, they did everything I think that they could do. It almost seems like maybe he didn't know where he was and he told them the wrong place and they just weren't anywhere in the vicinity of where he was. I don't know. That's just, that's a crazy one. I agree. Um, so it seems like there's a, they're somewhere in the area where there's a bunch of little towns around, you know, at least within a 30 mile, uh, 30 minute, uh, driving distance. So yeah, I agree. Um, I don't, it's just very awkward um, that he just ups and disappears and there's no remains, no, no nothing found of him whatsoever. It's very creepy. It's very eerie. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're ever lost like that, and I'm not saying he did anything wrong, but uh, being out there in the middle of nowhere, not really sure where you're at, I would, the last thing I would want to do is to take a shortcut 
especially through yeah. the woods or near a river or, or something like that, you know. Uh, but uh, I agree, you know, he, he probably should have stuck with the main road. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy because, you know, at least maybe if you were on the main road, maybe a car passed you. But yeah. who knows? Maybe he was on the main road and a car passed him. Maybe the lights he saw uh, up ahead were something different. What if it was something that he didn't anticipate? What if, you know, you never know what it was because that's the biggest thing about this because uh, even though parent the parents had followed his instructions, he it, it seems that he wasn't quite sure where he was to begin with. So, And another thing that I kind of thought, um, just because someone doesn't appear to be intoxicated does not mean that they are not intoxicated. That is true. That could have played a factor. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say, but it kind of comes down to they weren't where he told them he was. Um, right. Who knows if he knew where he was. The most logical thing to me is he fell in the water. Um, and not everybody that falls in the water is found. You know, a lot of the times they are. Or at least some artifacts of theirs or whatever are found. But probably just as often, they're not. So that seems the most logical to me but is there a logical explanation i don't know now i guess this is possible but it says that he was on the phone with his father when he when whatever occurred occurred um and they believe that maybe because of where the search dogs led them to uh that maybe he had slipped and fell into a creek or riverbed or of some kind uh Mm -hmm. some sort of water um so i'm assuming it was running water otherwise the body would have been where they were looking sure. uh but on with that same hand on that same hand what what bothers me is that when they when they lost signal with Brian, uh, brandon they attempted to try and call him back several times and it would ring and then go to voicemail yeah. by the next morning it was going straight to voicemail so my question is is either a i'm assuming that if the that the phone did not go in the water with him and the reason I say that Possibly. is because yeah. is because if the if the phone had gone in the water with him, I don't see it being able to ring and then go to voicemail. Because if I have my phone off and someone calls, it's going to go straight to voicemail. Straight to voicemail. So the phone has to ring before it can go to voicemail. So I'm assuming that wherever his phone is, it must have landed somewhere. Uh, that was extremely hard to find. But then again, I wasn't, you know, detecting on the case or anything like that. Yeah. But it's strange enough as it is. And did you say they never found the phone? Uh, yeah, there was no indication. They never found anything of him. Wow. Okay. Yep. Very creepy Except stuff. the car. Yeah, they did find the car. But it does not appear that there was any sort of a struggle or any indication that uh, Brandon had been hurt in any sort of way. So... Very I wonder stuff. how far did he venture away from the car? I mean, that's I guess a that's a million-dollar question. How far away was he? At one well, point in time, he was flashing the lights, but then did he try and leave the car and see if he could see them or hear them? See, I don't know, but it says he left the car walking toward the town of Lind, or what he thought was the town of Lind. Mm-hmm. And so he started, because he says he saw lights. So I'm assuming that he was close enough to see city lights. Okay. So I assumed it was Lynn. It may not have been. It may not have been. 
but we don't know. Now, it does say that his father had been on the phone with him 47 minutes while he walked. Huh. So, you would think if this is close enough for him to see lights from the nearby city, you would think that he could have walked that in 47 minutes. Or would have made a little more progress, at least. True. But here's another thing, too. Remember, it says he took shortcuts. So if he try, attempted to write to, you know, make a shortcut, then how, I don't know, the shortest distance between any two points is a straight line. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand if you're walking on this road and you see lights up ahead, then what makes you think that by walking in the woods, you're going to get there faster? True. I don't understand that portion. So very, what very, his thought process was. Yeah. So maybe he was intoxicated. I don't know. Very good stuff. Wow. But his parents said that they didn't perceive him to be intoxicated either, correct? Uh, I don't think it ever said that. I think it was just the friends. Yeah. I mean, I would feel like maybe your parents are going to notice before your friends will or vice versa. I don't know. True. Um, But again, just because someone does not appear to be intoxicated, that doesn't mean that they're not. Very true. Wow. That one, it kind of, it sticks with you. It really does. It does. Um, so this next one uh, comes from listverse.com. It says, on September 12th, 2008, a Metrolink commuter train collided head-on with a Union Pacific freight train in the Chatsworth area of Los Angeles. The engineer of the Metrolink train was considered at fault because it looked like he was sending a text message at the time of the crash. The crash was the worst in the history of the Metrolink. 25 died and another 135 people were injured. One of the people who lost their lives was 49-year-old Charles Peck, who was in Los Angeles for a job interview with the Van Nuys Airport. Now, Peck wanted to move to California because his fiance lived there. He was apparently killed almost instantly because he was so close to the spot of the impact and was one of the last people to be pulled out of the wreckage. Now, what's really creepy here is that throughout the night and up until his body was discovered, Peck's phone called a number of people, including his sons, his fiance, and his brother. All the calls were a few seconds of silence before hanging up. While nobody's sure how the calls were made, there are some people who believe it was Peck's spirit calling his loved ones to say goodbye. I love that story. Oh, I do too. I got goosebumps. It's super, super, super sad. But I 100% want to believe that, yeah, it was his spirit in just a little moment of comfort, like for... It didn't call, you know, it didn't butt dial random numbers. It didn't try and call the Pizza Hut or, you know, uh, you know, (laughs) it called the people that were important to him. Right. I really like that story. And I've heard it, read it, you know, over the years. And every time I come across it, I just, I have to read it again. And I'm like, wow, that one, it gets you too. It does. does. Um, It it reminds me, and I think I I spoke with you about it. but we we touched on it here on the show before. Uh, I think it was last year. Was it last year where the uh, was it in Miami? The high rise um, 
apartments down there that were falling apart. It was oh, tumbling yeah. Over. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a couple in there who unfortunately passed, but they were an elderly couple. But what was weird is that a number of people uh, that they knew were receiving phone calls from, from their apartment. Very wow. creepy stuff. It's uh, creepy, but like I don't know what I would do in that situation if I received one of those phone calls. You know, hello? like I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you um, you remember that show Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction, right? Yeah. Beyond okay, well, that show belief. came Fact or Fiction. Well, it came out, <laughs> you know, mid '90s. There was an episode on there one time. It may have even been the first episode of the show, and it was a very similar thing. Like, um, a father and daughter both received calls from the wife and mother, um, and it turns out that when they had received those phone calls, according to, you know, the law enforcement and whatever, she had already been deceased from some kind of an accident. Um, and I can't remember if they said that story was true or false. I need to go back and watch the show. Um, but it's kind of a similar thing. Like they said that she was, you know, it was determined that by the time she made those calls to them, she was already dead. Wow. That's some creepy stuff. It is. It really is. When you, when you break it down and think about it, because it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, there's some things that, that kind of reach beyond, um, believing belief really because beyond belief <laughs> well i didn't mean it like but yeah you're, you're right you're right uh but it's the truth though you know yeah you, you hear a miracle story or, or, or something like that but you know that when they people say uh you know there's no what is it there's no limit to what the human spirit can achieve are we talking about a real like human spirit are we talking yeah. about like our drive, our will that keeps us going day in and day out? But I mean, when you break it down, our will, our our spirit, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about. It really is when you when you sit down. I mean, you you might ponder yourself crazy for hours, but I mean, it's it it's really almost unnerving, but in a good way. Yeah, and of all the things that I'm skeptical about, I really think that stuff like that can happen you know yeah i i do know um the phone calls like that and just those yeah. little things i mean he didn't talk to him he didn't you know reach out from beyond right. the grave and say oh you know tell him his last good tell them his last goodbyes or whatever it was just something very very small right but it was enough for them to know or probably in their minds that it was him right let's all right since you said um that Let's move on to our next one, which involves another clip. Um, I'm going to play it for you guys. Um, this one is coming off of YouTube. I found it. Um, it looks like the username is Beatdown Wrestling. And you'll find out here why in just a second. But you guys remember Hulk Hogan. But do you remember Rowdy Roddy Piper? Now, what you're about to hear is Hulk Hogan um, speaking on a voicemail about a voicemail he received um, a day or two, a few days after Rowdy Roddy Piper's death, which uh, they were good friends. So you guys take a listen and we'll talk about it here in a minute. You know, the news came that he passed away, you know. And I felt like I got shot in the chest with a cannon, you know. And it kind of like knocked me off track for a couple of days. And, uh, 
And then all of a sudden, I get this voice message. It was really weird because either my phone was messed up. Sometimes you'll get a text message at that night when it was sent to you in the morning. I saw that. I'm walking with Jesus today, my brother. Walking with Jesus. Loving you and praying for you. It really spooked me out. Like, mm, alien thing, you know. Like, Close Encounters was just crazy to get a voice message from somebody after they passed away. And for especially for him to say, I'm loving you and walking with Jesus, my brother. Just loving you and walking with Jesus. I was like, wow. Totally screwed me up. So that was Hulk Hogan reacting to a voicemail he received from Rowdy Roddy Piper just days after Rowdy Roddy Piper's death. And like you heard there in the clip, he calls him and in the voicemail, he tells him, he says, I'm just, how, how did he say that? I, I'm loving you. I'm walking with Jesus, walking with Jesus and uh, I'm loving you, brother. Uh, he says, I saw the light walking with Jesus. I mean, that that is just, that to me is mind blowing because coming from a WWE superstar as big as Hulk Hogan because he he doesn't want for anything. Why he would make something like that up is beyond you and me. See, you know, and the first thing you would think of is, oh, he's just making it up. But yeah, I mean, it's not like that's his shtick to <laughs> be making it. He's not Zach Baggins or something. Make up all this crap, you know. But uh, like, why would he make something like that up? And apparently he... But what, I mean, of all voicemails to call and leave someone, what are the chances that, all right, just say, for example, Hulk Hogan's phone is screwed up and he gets a late voicemail. Why would you call and tell someone, I saw the light walking with Jesus, walking with Jesus and loving you, brother. What kind of voicemail is that? Walking with Jesus. Unless someone was pranking him like a ugly prank you know like they knew his friend passed away and they tried to play some kind of a prank on him but also why you know so yeah that whole thing with hulk hogan i just don't see a reason for him to make up anything like this or or anything like that and and yeah i mean it's it's spooky to think about that someone that you can't see who's no longer here can reach out and and communicate with you and it being an electronic device what better way to do that than through your cell phone so very creepy stuff i'd never heard of that one until you sent it to me the other day i'd never never come across that one which surprises me um that that's a really cool one i appreciate you finding that one yeah i I, oh absolutely i love that one that was really good i've seen it on tiktok many a times but I, i love that story but guys, this is only part one of our uh, strange uh, telephone phone calls, so on and so forth. So we really hope that you guys uh, enjoyed this as much as we love putting it together. It was a whole lot of fun. So uh, tune in next week for part two. Uh, don't forget to go and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Southern Spectre podcast on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash the Southern Spectre. We're on TikTok. Uh, at the Southern Inspector Podcast. And yeah, if you would like to, um, actually, I think I have a good idea because we're actually talking about telephones. 
I'm actually going to set up a hotline for you guys where you can just call us directly. About Area 51? And you can leave whatever whatever oh. <laughs> voicemail you'd like to leave. Um, you might hear yourself right here on our podcast. So any strange stories, anything cool you'd like to share with us, feel free to call our hotline. And I will have that set up by the uh, next episode we do. And so I will give that number away at the end of our next episode. And you guys give us a call and we'll be glad to communicate with you guys uh, from this life and beyond. <laughs> but anyway guys you guys take care out there um so y'all take care be safe uh love each other and one another take care of yourself do what you got to do and uh lexi well you had all these glowing you know recommendations for people to do take care of each other love each other i'm just like stay spooky love each other take yeah. care. Yeah, stay yeah, spooky smoke. that's all yeah, i got yeah. <laughs> take your vitamins. Yeah, take your vitamins. And, and drink your bed. water. We'll drink your water and get to bed early, and you know, study hard. See, those are my <laughs> recommendations to people, and you can't ever go wrong with any of those things. So, yeah, I agree. All right, well, guys, it has been a blast. We love y'all. Take care. Bye.